so, Father, that's our song at this moment, is how great you are. And as a God who's worthy to be sung to, I ask this morning as we continue to, to, to worship and now sit and, and listen and learn and, and, and try to hear, God, what do you want to say to us about our stories? And, and I ask that you would show us, what, what song are we singing right now? What, what song is our lives singing right now? And what song do you want us to be singing? Maybe, maybe some here this morning, God, they're singing without even describe anything about their lives. And so maybe this morning you want to say to someone here, it's time to sing. And so would you do that this morning? Would you show us how you're at work in our lives and what you want to do through us before in Christ's name? Amen. All right, you guys, go ahead and be seated. Well, wasn't that neat to, to hear from the, the other elders and, and hear what they see God doing? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's neat because, you know, you hear my perspective a whole lot. You hear from Jeff and Russ from time to time. But there, there's men who are, like I said, on this team of elders leading all the time. And you don't necessarily get to hear from them as much. But that doesn't mean that they're not leading and continuing to seeking God's direction. So what a neat way to hear how they see God at work in that. And uh, so then I thought, well, how do I, how do I get up here this morning? And what do, what do I want to say? What do I think God wants to say uh, to us this morning? Um, that maybe would kind of tie in to, to what we just heard through those videos. And so I thought, well, we'll just talk about stories and songs, and we'll see where that goes. And so to do that, we're going to be in Hosea chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hosea chapter 2. It's in your Old Testament. If you have a Bible uh, uh, app or an iPhone or something you're using, Hosea. And if you need a Bible, there should be some cha- uh, Bibles on the chairs there in front of you. If you're using those Bibles, go to page 1021. Hosea chapter 2, page 1021. And as you're turning there, I kind of need to give you some history because Hosea falls right in the middle of the Old Testament and we're kind of picking up in the middle of Hosea. So um, if you've been here for a few years, you might remember that we preached through Hosea. Um, I think it was maybe 2013 and some of 2014. We went through that book. And, and so let me assure you of this. You're not getting a recycled sermon. And that's the beauty of God's Word. Because the beauty of God's Word is, and you guys, some of you have experienced that where you're reading it. And you, maybe you've read through the book a couple times before, and all of a sudden you're going, well, who put that in there? Like, I never noticed that before, right? Or you're reading something, and you're, you're, you're reading some, maybe some verse you've always read, and you've got memorized, and all of a sudden God uses it in a new way to pierce you and to show you something he wants you to get. He says, I'm going to take you deeper now. I'm going to show you a little bit more. And that's the beauty of God's Word. That it's, it's living, and it's active. It was, it was written down by a God who is not dead, a God who is not silent, but a God who is present and active. And so Hosea, um, here's what I kind of want you to know as we kind of run up there. We, we know as we open up our Bibles to Genesis that God created everything. All the, the creation around us, God created on the sixth day he put uh, man in the garden. And then he put man to sleep because he says it's not good for, for man to be alone. And so and while man was asleep on the side, he created woman, and then he says, now, the two of you go and do this together. Represent me together and rule over creation and represent God together. And so they did that for a little while, and they were in this garden, and God says, you've got all these trees. Eat of any of the trees that you want, except for this one. Except for this one tree. I don't want you to eat from this one tree. But as you know, the story goes, they, they didn't succeed in doing that. They failed. And then sin enters into the human race and into the rest of the physical creation. And now we've seen the impact and the effects of sin. And you can see that as you continue reading in your Bible, chapter 4 of Genesis, uh, that, that um, you know, Eve gives birth to, to Cain and Abel, and then Cain kills Abel. Is that the first murder 
in human history. And you can see it kind of just deteriorating. And in chapter 6, there's some, some weird things that take place with angels and people, or maybe it's not angels and people, but you've got to figure that out on your own. And then you keep reading, and you see this man rise up, and this guy named Noah. And you're reading the story, and you think, well, as God's story unfolds, maybe Noah's the guy. Maybe Noah, because Noah's name means blessed. And, and, and Noah's father named him Noah with the hope and the faith that maybe this is the one who's going to bring God's rest to us. But as you know, Noah, yes, he made it through the flood with he and his family, but then Noah failed. Noah wasn't, wasn't the one that God was using to redeem his story. And so God's story kind of continues to unfold and we continue to see the impact of sin. And ultimately we get to Genesis 12 and we see a guy named Abraham. And God, God kind of starts to focus his plan a little more and he says, look, Abraham, through you I'm going to work. And through you, the, the plan of redemption to, to reverse the impact of sin, it's going to come through you. And though, Abraham, right now you're old and you don't have a family, you don't even have kids, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And, and Abraham, I'm going to give you this land that, that, that I'm leading you to and that you're walking through. Because after all, every nation needs a, a land. And, and if you're going to be a nation, you've got to have people. So, Ab- Abraham, don't worry, there's, there's people coming. I'm going to give you kids. In fact, the promise I'm giving you is coming through a son that you yourself are going to have, you and Sarah. And Abraham, anyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless. Anyone who curses you, I'm going to curse. I'm going to have this unique relationship with you, Abraham. And, and I want your people, and this people that ultimately became known as Israel, God was going to work through them. And he said to them as they uh, you know, um, came out of Egypt, I want you to live your lives in a way that other nations around you see that you're different because your God is different. But back up for a minute because they, they came out of Egypt. But how did they get there? Because there was this famine in the land. And at the end of Genesis, you see that Joseph had, had gone up into Egypt. And he was now high up in command in Egypt. And now there was this famine coming in the land. And so Jacob took his family to Egypt to, to where they could have food. Seventy people at that time. Seventy. And then we read Exodus chapter 1. And we, we read that a new Pharaoh rose on the scene. And this Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. And what we read is that Israel had grown while enslaved. They went from 70 to conservative estimates of 1.2 or 3 million people. You see, because when God delivered them out of Egypt, it says they had about 500 or 6,000 men and women. I'm sorry, men, not counting the women and the kids. So conservative estimates put them in the millions. God had grown His people. They started at 70. But His story continued to unfold and now they're millions. And he's now developed this nation and he's leading them to their land. You see, uh, it was 400 years or so that they were in slavery there. Can you imagine being in there? And, and you're, you're wondering, you've heard these stories about how God has worked and what he's promised, but you're not seeing it unfold. Not in your lifetime. One generation comes and dies, they're still enslaved. Another generation comes and dies, they're still in Egypt. And then finally this, this generation who maybe they're thinking, we're just going to be like all the others, God's dead now. He's not, he's not going to be sleeping. He's not acting anymore. And then God, again, speaks into history and delivers them. Leads them out, out of Egypt and through the wilderness into this land where they were supposed to live. And now, now God had this unique relationship with them where he said, hey, if you go into this land, I want you to live this way. But if you don't, there's going to be consequences for that. Because the people need to know that God uh, that you serve, he cannot be trifled with, that sin is serious to God. And so this holy and this just God, he's got to deal with sin. But if you live in the land as I told you and do as I, I say and you live in a right relationship with me, then people are going to see you and they're going to be drawn to your God and you're going to be blessed in this land. And so there was this dynamic uh, relationship, if you will. And so along the way, and we're going to get more into this in the book of Judges as we start that next week, you're going to see that Israel didn't do too great. Sin continued to, 
to have its impact, and they started to really kind of go on a downward spiral. And they would chase after other gods, and they would, they would go and entrust themselves and worship other gods rather than the one true God, the one who brought them out of Egypt. And so along the way, God would send prophets, where these, these men who would speak for God, and, and they would say basically to Israel, you need to turn back. You need to repent, follow the law, and God's going to restore the things that you've lost. Follow the law and you'll be blessed. But if you keep going down this path, certain destruction is headed your way. And that was Hosea's message. And so in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, we read this now. This is God now speaking through his prophet, Hosea. However, in the future, I will allure her. I will lead her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there, I will give back her vineyards to her and turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity for hope. There she will sing as she did when she was young, when she came up from the land of Egypt. At that time, declares the Lord, you will call my husband. You will never again call me my master. For I will remove the name of the Baal idols from your lips so that you will never again utter their names. And so we'll go back to verse 14 here. Now this is, this is again, God speaking through Hosea about his people Israel. And he starts out and he says, however. However. You see, however is one of those words that sometimes can be like a, but God. It's an interruption. Right? Things look to be headed a different direction, but God. However. You see, right before we get to this point, uh, Hosea has been describing what's going to come upon God's people because they have continued in their disobedience and their rebellion. And, And Hosea says, look, I've tried to tell you, God has tried to tell you to turn back, but now, since you have not turned back, here's what's certainly coming your way. And he starts to describe how they're going to be led off into slavery. The Assyrians are going to take them and, and lead them away. But he says, however, however, in the future, I will allure her. He says, in the future, there's coming a day, even though it's going to be bleak, even though things are going to get bad, there's a day where God says, I will allure her. I will be the one who allures Israel. Now that word allure, kind of kind of interesting because so far in the book of I, Hosea, what you've seen is Israel being allured by other gods. Israel being seduced by other gods. And now God says, you know what? There's going to be a day where I'm going to be the one who seduces. Not in a manipulative sense. I'm going to be the one who allures her. She's going to be consumed with me, not other gods. There's going to be that day, and he says, I will lead her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Some of you this morning, that's where you are. This is, this is where God has you. As you think through your story, as you think about what God has been doing in your life, and maybe your story, maybe your story didn't even start out with God, as far as you know. Uh, maybe God's never been a part of your story. Maybe you didn't grow up in a, in a home where, where, where God was part of that home. That it was not a Christian home. Maybe you didn't grow up going to church and now you found yourself here. God was not always a part of your story as far as you know, as far as you're concerned. Maybe, maybe that's your story this morning. And, and maybe some of you, though, you're thinking, you know, God was part of my story at some point, but I've done messed it up. I've done some things. Uh, I've done things that God can't get past. He can't use me anymore. My, my, my path behind me is riddled with sin. I've forgotten God's faithfulness. I've forgotten about His love for me. And instead, I've started to chase other things. I've su- submitted things, uh, substituted things for God that were never meant to be substituted for God. Maybe, maybe you've been chasing things and letting your life be controlled by things that are never meant to control your life. And so you submit your life 
uh, so that you can be successful, so that you can be rich, so, so you can be a great mom, a great husband, a great dad, a great wife. Maybe you let your kids run your house because, after all, you want your kids you know, to, to go off and be successful, and that will define you. And so what's happened is now you've let other things start to control your life, and so you enslave yourself to them, hoping that as you do what they want you to do, it will give you what you want. You've been worshiping idols. And so maybe you, you're looking at your story and your life as God has been unfolding it, and you think, man, God can't work with me anymore. There was that one time I messed up, and he can't get past that. However, however, there will be a day God says, I will allure her. And he said, I'm going to lead her back in this wilderness. I'm going to speak tenderly to her. See, some of you, God's leading you back into the wilderness. See, for Israel, this was where it all started with their God. See, God had brought them out of Egypt and he, he took them through the wilderness for a while and then they went to this mountain, Mount Sinai. And there it was that Moses went up on the mountain and, you know, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights and he comes down with these tablets. It's like the marriage covenant between God and Israel was being made that day. Now, now, some of you who are married, you know what it's like to be newly married. You remember your first couple weeks of marriage? First couple months? If you're really going well, you have like a good honeymoon year, right? Where that year, you cut off all your other friendships. Like, forget it. You know, you guys go find your own friends. It's just me and my boo. You know, and we're just going to hang out. Right? You guys watched all the same things together. Right? And, 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 and you wouldn't do anything apart from one another. You would try to leave work early just so you could spend more time with, with your, your husband and your wife. You remember what it's like to be really married, right? And, and, and as that kind of went along, you know, things maybe. Maybe sometimes it subsides a little bit. Right? As your marriage kind of goes along, you, you start to realize, well, you know, early on in our marriage, we were, we were really driven by uh, some, some good lust, right? Some, some desire and some attraction for one another. And, and we really were just, it was new and it was novel. And we started to kind of wane and we started to realize, man, you can't, you can't sustain a marriage just on that stuff. It takes some work and some building a foundation. And so you have a kind of a choice to make at that point. Do I continue to work on that foundation? Or do I continue to search for what gives me that excitement, that pleasure, that, that new feeling? And so you try to find something new. And maybe that's what, for some of you then, right? You look for other things new that give you excitement. Or you can kind of pour into it. And God says, no, I, Israel, they've gone and looked for new things. They've gone and, and continue to chase that feeling. They, they run, they continue to chase that excitement, and so they've abandoned the God who, who they were once excited about, man, because there was one group of, 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 of Israelites who, man, they saw God just do amazing things when, they, when he brought them out of Egypt. But along the way, you know, as time passed and you get further away from those events, the heart goes cold and God becomes more that God you read about in your book and you hear about at church, but not the God who's real. Not the God who's active. He's just somebody you, you acknowledge on Sunday. But God says, I'm going I'm to lead her back into the wilderness. I'm going to take her back down memory lane. I'm going to woo her all over again. I'm taking her back where it started, at the altar. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him back to that, that moment where those back doors opened up, and I said I wasn't going to cry. But man, when she started walking down that aisle, I just couldn't help her. So you you, uh, you had that ugly cry going on. Let's put it that way, right? Anybody? Men? They had to hand me the tissue at my wedding. Okay. God says, I'm going to lead her back. I'm going to bring her back. Some of you, that's what God has you. He's ready to bring you back into the wilderness. Back 
backward, I'll spurn it. He, he's trying to allure you, woo you back. But you've been thinking, my story's over. God can't work for me. There's nothing that God can do for me. He's done with me. Can't use me. I made that bad decision, and now I can't recover from that. But God would say this to you. Sin does not win. You need to know that. Sin does not win. Your story's not over. God's not done with you yet. You see, because he says, no, I'm going to bring you back into the wilderness. I'm going to take you back where it all started. God's not done with you yet. Sin does not win. But we go on in verse 15. From there I will give back her vineyards to her and turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity for hope. And I'll stop there for a moment. Because here's what God's saying. He, 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 Israel looks around and they say, our vineyards, they're dry. They're desolate. There's no grapes growing. There haven't been any grapes growing in a while. You know, the wheat crop, it's not coming up. You know, the ground is just dry and dusty. It's all cracked. And they're looking at that and saying, see, that's the evidence that God's done. He's abandoned us. He, he can't work through us anymore. But God says, I will give back her vision. You see, because God will redeem in you and my life what sin has wrecked. He's not done with it. He can take those things in our lives where, yeah, we made a bad choice. Yeah, we sinned. Yeah, we messed up. Maybe we had a one moment. Maybe it was a season of our life. And now we're seeing the, the consequences of that. And God can take that still. And He can redeem it. But here's something you and I need to pull from this. You see, uh, we may need to have a change of perspective. You see, because maybe we're looking at our situation and we're going, man, uh, I just I don't have the family I want. I used to have the family and I lost it. I don't have the husband or wife I want, but I used to have them or her and I, I lost it for him. The kids, man, the kids are just going down a bad path. You know, they start out good. I thought we were doing good, but then they just turned down. What about the job? God, I, I wanted that job, that, the one that, you know, I've always wanted, but you never give it to me. Or maybe I had it, but I lost it. You know, and you look at some of those and, and maybe your perspective as you look at those is see God's done with you. You, you look at those events and those circumstances and you say, see, uh, God's not real. See, because I, I gave my life to him, but he's not really doing anything. But maybe what you need to do is step back and your perspective needs to change. And it's a hard reality sometimes we have to swallow. It may be, an emphasis on the may, it may be that as you look around at your circumstances and the things that you don't have that you want and the things that you've lost that you don't have, it's because of choices you made. It's because of sin in your life that you chose to pursue. See, Israel's vineyards, they weren't, they weren't dry and desolate for no reason. God had told them, if you disobey me in this land, that's what's going to happen. You're not going to get the rain that you need. You're, you're going to have people come and plunder you. And so sometimes, and I emphasize sometimes because what I'm trying not to say to you, which is not true, is that just because bad things are happening in your life, it means it's because of your personal sin. That's not always true. Because sometimes bad things happen in your life, and God is still real, and God is still good, but sin is present, and evil is at work. And that happens too. But I think more often than you and I care to admit, sometimes the things we have in our life are just consequences of our sinful choices. And until we recognize that, we can't move forward. But here's the perspective that you need to see from this. The Scripture tells us that God is like a loving parent, a loving father. He disciplines his children. He disciplines those he loves. God's discipline is an evidence of his love in your life. So the very thing that you're looking at saying God's abandoned me is actually the thing that if you're a child of God, if you place your trust in Christ, you should be looking at going, it's evidence that God cares for me because he doesn't want me to go down this path. 
Like when I, when I discipline my kids, and I discipline my kids, I do. And, and, and when I'm about to discipline my kids, if I'm in the right state of mind, I will tell them, or maybe it's afterwards, I'll tell them, look, I'm doing this because I love you. Now, you know, I'll get the response back, well, why would you do this if you love me? Because they can't get it. Because they're looking at it and they're going, you're hurting me. Or, you know, you're taking something away that I want. Or you're, you're, you're keeping me from doing something, you know, that I want to do. Well, that's their perspective, which is oftentimes our perspective. But when I explain to them, no, you see, God has entrusted you to me and your mom. We're your parents. And it's our responsibility to discipline you. If, if that's needed, so that we can train you and teach you. Because if I don't discipline you, that would show that I don't love you. Because it's my responsibility when you disrespect me to discipline that so that you learn to respect me. Or when you disobey me so that you learn to obey me. Because if you don't learn to obey me, your father, your mother, who God has put in authority over you, then you may grow up and not learn to respect and submit to other authorities that God has placed over you. Worse yet, you may grow up and you may not honor God himself and respect him as your authority. And that's on me while you're my child. And, and maybe, you know, when I'm disciplining you, it feels like I don't love you and that I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, treating you my, like my child. But it would be a whole lot easier for me to not discipline you and just let you get away with what you want to do. Because now I've got to pause my show that I was watching because you decided to go and do that during your bedtime when you should be asleep and it's adult time. And now I've got to pause my show and I've got to, you know, discipline you. Or I've got to stop doing what I was going to do. Or you know what? I've got to now not enjoy what we were planning on doing because if we went and did that, you wouldn't learn. It's a sacrifice to me to discipline you. It, it hurts me. You know that phrase, it hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. Our perspective sometimes needs to change as we look at our lives and we need to stop seeing so quickly the things in our lives and saying, well, see, that's evidence that God doesn't love me. That's evidence that God's not real. And instead, maybe we need to look honestly and say, I may just be reaping what I've sowed. And yet, if I'm a child of God, it's evidence that God's not done with me yet. It's evidence that God still loves me and wants me to see that because maybe He needs me to see the barrenness. Maybe He needs me to see the desolation so that I can see I once had it better than that. Or I know I have a God who doesn't want me to settle for the things I've been chasing, but God has, has put this in my life. He's disciplined me so that I can have a wake-up call. And then turn back to God and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember now. He says, I'm going to turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity of hope. In Joshua chapter 7, there's a story of Israel as they're going into the land and, and they're going to take over the city. And the city's called Ai, A-I, right? And there's a guy named Achan. And, and God makes it clear through Joshua, the leader of time, when you go and you take over these cities, don't plunder them. Don't steal anything. That's not the point here. Don't keep anything for yourself. Well, this one guy, Achan, you know, he can't help himself. He starts to lust after the silliness. Well, I mean, nobody can lie so much. And he hides it. Well, then Israel gets defeated. Long story short, what happens is God ultimately leads Joshua to the, the person who's the culprit. And he, he says to Achan, you know, what have you done? Achan goes and shows him, hey, I've got all this stuff buried in my tent. And at the end of the day, what happens? Achan is stoned to death. Him and his family. And so they called it the Valley of Trouble. It's a sorrowful moment in Israel's history, in Israel's story. It's a, it's a very, um, you know, um, troubling moment in Israel's story. But God says to his people, I want you to remember that time. 
Because what you have been labeling as trouble, what you have been labeling as as sorrow, I am going to take and turn that into opportunities of hope because I'm not done with you yet. And here's what he would say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. See, some of you, you've labeled everything in your life and in your story and you say and see that's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble. And God's saying, no, there's going to be a day where I will take what you call trouble and I'm going to turn it into opportunities for hope. It's not over yet. But go back to verse 15 and look at that second part. There she will sing, and so now we're getting into the song part. There she will sing as she did when she was young, when she came up out of the land of Egypt. The word sing there in the, in the Hebrew, your translation, it could say sing, or maybe some of you have a translation that says respond. And the word in Hebrew can be translated either way, sing or respond. And here's what God's saying. Look, because of the way I'm going to act on behalf of my people, the way that she's going to respond is she's going to sing. So to sing, when God's people sing, it's a response of what God has been doing in their lives as He's taken that which is called trouble and then turns it into hope. And then as people sing, He says, they're going to sing again. They're going to they're gonna have stuff welling up out of them that they cannot control, and this is going to come out. And they're going to sing like they did when we first met. You see, because when God led them out of Ex- uh, Egypt in the book of Exodus, and they got in the wilderness, you'll find some song. You'll find a song of celebration. Songs about God. Songs about what He's done. But maybe at this point in Israel's history, there's not a whole lot of singing going on. And you know, songs sometimes represent seasons in our lives. Right? There's a song that carries you through, you know, a certain season. Or you hear a song, you go, man, it takes me back. And then, you know, when I remember when I was in elementary, I mean, I was in elementary middle school, I was, I was into some of the earlier country. I was real sorrowful. My mom hated it. Because I walk around depressed all the time. Because that's what good country music does to you. It depresses you. Right? And, and, and I remember, I hear those songs, and I think back to what girl was I chasing at that point that broke my heart. You know, or what girl did I break her heart? Now that song, you know, it, it, the seasons. I wonder what song you're singing right now. I wonder what song as a church you're singing right now. You know, I went this week and I, I looked at the top 100 songs for the, for the week. Not Christian songs. Just the top one of songs. And I went through and I listened to some of the lyrics. And then these songs are catchy. They're really some great, some great catchy songs. And, and I, I read through the lyrics, though. And no surprise, just like it would be no surprise to you, the songs aren't about God. They're not about me. They're about what I'm chasing. They're about what I want. They're about what I can get. Right? They're, they're about uh, other people that I'm chasing. And, and you know, and, and so those songs, you know, sometimes maybe your, your story, you don't have a song that you're singing. Maybe you haven't sung to God in a long time. Your life, you would say, no, I'm not singing. But somewhere along the way, you decide, I still want to sing. But you've substituted in there a song of your own. That's not a song in response to God. It's a song that glorifies you. It's a song that lifts you up or what you're chasing. And God says, no. See, the response of my people when I act on their behalf to bring them hope is they will sing. Again. And it won't be about themselves. It'll be about their God. Not over yet. But maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you haven't sung in a while. And you're thinking, I'll never sing again. God's not going to come after me again. There is no one beyond God's mercy. No one. Doesn't matter what you've done. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know me. No, I'll just read your Bible. There's a lot of people in there a lot worse than you are. Talk to your neighbor. You might find that person a lot worse than you are. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's no one who is beyond 
God's faithfulness. Not any one of you is it. God's not done with you yet. Can we go on in verse 16? At that time, that time when God woos his people and lures them and they're going to sing, he declares, Lord, you will call my husband. Now in the Hebrew, I want to give this to you so you can hear what, what Hosea is doing. It's Ishi. Ishi. Ish is husband. E is personal pronoun mine. Or possessive pronoun mine. You will never again call me my master. The Eli. Baal-E. B-A-A-L-I. Again, the I on the end is my. Baal. Peter. You will once again call me my husband. Not Baal. Who's Baal? He's the one who had been substituted for me. He's the one who God's people had started to turn to and entrust themselves to. And and God says, no, there's going to be a day where you're going to stop pursuing Baal. Other gods. There's going to be a day where you're going to stop surrendering your life to all these other things that you allow to control your life in hopes that if you just allow it to control your life and you submit to what they demand of you, then you'll get what you're chasing. And then, and then in that day, instead, you're going to realize, I'll give it to you. What you want, will probably give it to me if it's good for you. What you need, I'll give it to you. Because that's how good he is. And he goes on, verse 7, 17 there, and he says this in 17, For I will remove the names of the Baal idols from your lips, so that you will never again utter their names. You haven't been singing in a while, maybe. Maybe, maybe you wonder if God's done with you. Here's what God would say to me. How do I get back to that? How do I how do I get to that point where I can sing again? You've got to give yourself to Him. You've got to give yourself. And trust yourself to God. Stop entrusting yourself to whatever it is you're entrusting yourself to so that you get what you think you want. And instead, entrust yourself to God. Give yourself to God. For some of you this morning, maybe that's a recognition that, man, I, I've started chasing other things. That, you know, my story, maybe it has God in it. I, I, you know, he was part of it at the beginning, but I've long ago abandoned him. I start chasing other things. I still show up on Sunday, and I still claim the name of God, but if I'm being honest, my life is not controlled by God. I submit it to other things. And so maybe for you this morning, it's, it's a matter of confessing that to the Lord. God, I confess I've gone after other things. I've substituted you for other things. Cheap substitutes. Maybe for others of you this morning, it's something you've never done before. Maybe you've, you've never considered that God, God is a part of your story. You would have never given Him credit for any of that. But now maybe you're thinking, man, I, I want to sing. I want to, I want to sing in response to what God does. I want, to, I want something more. And God would say this morning, you've got to entrust yourself to give yourself to Him. How, how do I do that? How do I do that? You do that by trusting in the one He gave to you. That's Jesus. You see, because Jesus came and he lived the life that you and I should have lived. But we couldn't. didn't. And then he died the death that you and I earned. And he did that in our place. He took what was earned by us. And then he rose from the dead and, and showed that he completed everything he set out to do. And he was victorious in doing that. And now God says, you don't have to earn anything from me. You can't earn anything from me. Instead, give yourself to me. Entrust yourself to me by trusting in what Jesus has done. So stop trying. Stop, stop giving yourself to all these other things and instead give yourself to me. So if you do that, you tell yourself, you remind yourself, sin does not win. Your story's not over. God's not done with you. It's not over yet. You may think it is, but God's saying it's not. No one's beyond God's mercy. And if you realize those things, 
And then you give yourself to God. Then, then, you'll start to sing. Then, maybe the songs that you've replaced will all of a sudden become the songs that God births in your heart as, he, as you respond to what He's done. Then, maybe the songs you've never sung before will well up inside of you. And you'll sing. Maybe that's what you're longing for. Maybe that's what you came looking for. You know that you wanted something more. And God's saying to you, you can still sing. I'm not done with you yet. And so, Father, how good your grace is to us. It's undeserved, and yet you continually give it. Thank you, God, that you are a God who you're working all things for the good of those who love God, who are called according to your purpose, that we can take confidence in this promise that you say, ye who began a good work in, in you will be, it will be uh, faithful to complete that good work. God, you're not done yet. We're all works in process. We're all uh, somewhere in that spectrum along the way. And yes, God, there's times where we get off, we sin, we mess it up. And we thank you, God, for your love for us. And sometimes it's shown in this place. God, there are people here this morning who need to sing again to you. They need to respond to you by singing, and maybe that for them is they need to confess some things to you. And so God, would you move them to that point? Would you show them those things that they've been allured by that are not you? Maybe God, this morning there's some here who they need to give themselves to you for the first time. They've never trusted in you, but now they, they understand that your their story is your story, and that you want to redeem and reverse some of the things that, that even they've caused in their lives. But God, it starts with first trusting in Christ. And so God, would you open their eyes so that they can see that maybe some of the things they've called trouble in their lives, now you want to call the doom. That's how good you are. You're not a God who is distant from us, but you love us. Help us to see, God, what you're doing in us, what you're doing for this church. Continue to show us what you want to do and uh, through this church and through us and what, God, you want to do in this community. Let it start with what you're doing in us. What's your story? What song should we be singing now? And do that, God, so that your name would be glorified across all of us, including Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm glad you got to be here this morning. I hope, I hope at some point in the morning, whether it was through the videos, the songs, the or it's reading the scripture, or prayer, or the sermon, or something, that God has said something in this morning that you need to hear. I hope you will listen. And if you have questions along the way, let's talk about it. If you are visiting for the first time, I'd love to say hello, shake your hand. If so, after these doors, hang a right. We'll meet you down by the couches, and we'd love to say hello to you. All right? With that, if you're able, please stand, and we'll dismiss, get you out of here. Your God is a God who created songs. So don't you think he would want you to sing about him? So leave here now and go sing about your God. And sing a new song. And do that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll see you guys next week.